We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 172 of the Beyond 90 podcast. There's been so much to talk about in the wonderful world of women's football. So much, in fact, that we've drafted someone else in for her Beyond 90 podcast debut. And we'll get on to her and introduce her in a moment. But firstly, I think I'll mention my usual two co-hosts, Magella Card and Dale Roots. How have the two of you been this weekend? Man, yeah. well, I think both of us have been a bit boo with our team's results. I don't know about yes. you, Dale. <laughs> Happy Vegemites? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, we'll, I mean, we'll get on to a moment. Everton didn't lose, though, Dale. That's something. <laughs> no, that is true. They didn't lose <laughs> this week. Uh, thanks to... Yeah, anyway, we'll move on. We'll get on to that later. And uh, I, don't no, have a, good. I don't have a WSL team, so that I don't mm. have to worry about more heartbreak. That's good. Yes. It turns out I have introduced my co-host in the wrong order. That's my fault. I should have started with... Uh, Newest, the newest person, the latest person to get a, a Beyond 90 cap, if that makes sense. She was part of the R Game Women and Non-Binary Persons in Media program. She's also doing wonderful work covering the dub for Impetus. Hello, Emma Burke. Thank you so much for joining this silly little podcast. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. Um, I hope I can contribute to the silliness. Yeah. Um, my week was decent. I mean, Arsenal getting the win over Man mm -hmm. City all around successful so yes there we, there we go uh more positive vibes it turns <laughs> out at least there's at least one of us supports that supports a team that can actually win once in a while but yeah it seems like it sounds like fun emma <laughs> anyway sometimes yes. sometimes it's fun yeah, yeah. Anyway, on to this week's feature, Matilda, which will be cap 172 and a player well known to lots of you i'm sure emily van egmont Feels like she's been around forever, but she's not even that old. Uh, Matilda's debut in 2010, and that was the first of 135 caps for Australia. My goodness, that's a lot. 31 goals, and Emily Van Agbond usually seen patrolling the midfield. I'm sure we're familiar with her great passing range. And also, shout out to her grassroots club, Dudley Redhead United in the Hunter Valley of New South Wales. I Can think... I just say, what a club name yes, that is. And possibly, and I'm... Not even sure it's in the top two new Hunter Valley grassroots clubs names because there's also Adamstown Rosebud and my personal favorite, the Lambton Jaffers. So <laughs> it yes. seems like fertile ground, yes, not yes. just for footballers like Cheryl Salisbury, but also for local club names. I think, oh, actually, I'm the only person from New South Wales because technically Dale are from the ACT. But I suppose I'll start with you anyway, Dale. Just Emily Van Egmond, your thoughts. Well, I mean, she used to play for, she played for a season for Canberra, I believe. She did, yeah. Um, and she was very, very young. That was, mm. God, that was like 2010, mm. a long time ago. Um, but she's matured into kind of the Miss Fix-It for the Matildas over the last kind of 18 months. Um, I think that if I ever see her play in central defensive midfield again, I'm going to pull my eyes out um, because it is greatly frustrating, but she is definitely the kind of player who plugs a gap whenever a, a gap needs to be plugged. 
she scored some fantastic goals. She scored that screamer against China uh, mm. to get us to the Olympics in twenty ten uh, in two thousand nineteen. Um, and yeah, I mean she's she's a fantastic tactical operator. Um, highlights also include her not being able to head the ball for some mm. apparent reason, despite mm. being five foot eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she. I mean, obviously, she comes from good stock. Her dad, Gary, was the coach of the Jets women. Uh, is the coach of the Jets women and coach of the Jets men. Coached them to a championship. He played for a number of times for a number of times for the Socceroos. And yeah, as I said, she comes from good stock. She's um, she's definitely one of the bigger personalities in the in the squad as well. She's definitely the golden retriever of the Matildas squad. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's a, she's a, she's an, a neat little operator. She is. And I'm just checking. Yes. She has played some time in Melbourne. Basically turns out Madge is the only person who hasn't seen Emily Van Egmont play club football in their city. But so that's, that's as good a segue as I'm going to get f- to bring Emma in and just, she, yeah, as I said, she has played for Melbourne City. So yeah, your thoughts on Emily Van Egmont. There's certainly a lot in her CV to um, talk about. Yeah, um, personally, big fan. Um, when she plays central attacking midfielder, stunning, gorgeous, incredible, never been done before, like just, she did a, a lot with Melbourne City, and that was was just a great time in my life, personally. Anytime, also, agree, Dale, in central defensive midfield. It's just, mm. it's just no good. Like, it's, it's <laughs> just no good. Um, but she's also been playing mm. with San Diego Wave uh, recently. They had their uh, final, one of the finals on today. It was a semi-final, lost. yep. That's yeah. Right. They lost, unfortunately, yep. but I thought I watched uh, three quarters of it-ish. She had quite a strong presence on the field. I think she's quite suited to playing in the US. I think there's something about how it's like the slightest bit more relaxed, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, that kind of really suits mm-hmm. her style. Um, yeah, but big fan, big fan. Yep, and yeah, I was just looking at her Wikipedia page, and basically it's... um. Emily, how many clubs would you like to play for in your career? Yes. Yes. <laughs> All of the clubs. Look her up and that that's a lot of clubs. Um yeah, so Madge, I mean, we have uh, you along with the rest of us have seen her in action very recently, including at the World Cup. By the way, yeah, she only turned thirty eight days before the World Cup started, but yeah, so yeah, still I a mean, lot of good football left in her. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess I remember a lot about her as being part of that trio of, of, of really young kids de- debuting for the Matilda. So the, the Curve and Egmond uh, and Ford sort of trio. I uh, remember seeing lots of social media um, with them as as the babies of the team um, really early on. And 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 like Dow mentioned, that, that goal against China, uh, what an epic um, goal, uh, clutch goal. And that's, that, that's what she can do. She can come in and be that really clutch player, I'm going to like triple down on the um not liking to see her in defensive midfield. Uh, I think this has been a common th- thread with fans around the country. Uh, she is a creative player, so that's where we we like to see her further up the field. Um, and and that's that that goal against China is is the sort of um product you can get from her roaming around. Uh, an attacking space. I'm actually a little bit surprised that she's only got 31 goals from 135 appearances, but, you know, I guess there's been a lot of great other Matilda attackers um, 
sort of scoring a lot of those goals as well. Probably, mm. I, I would I would suspect she's probably got a fair few assists um, in her uh, stats bag as well. Uh, but yeah, just a one wonderfully creative and unpredictable player, and I think that's that's always a wonderful player to have in any team. Yeah, and yeah, make make it a clean sweep. I don't like seeing her play as a defensive midfielder either, <laughs> and I think. If you say that, oh, I mean, it sounds a bit weird to say only 31 international goals, but babe, 31 from 135 sounds like too many games played at defensive midfield. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yes. Should could have could have had the half century correct. by now if she'd been played correct. in the correct position. Yeah, yeah, I was actually doing um local radio for that game against China. The, yeah, so I think I imagine I wasn't the only one among us there, and just the stress um, from China scoring what in the 86th minute or something like yep. that, and yeah, just. Right they gave us one of the best photos in Matilda's history. It was it yeah. was like a a Last Supper sort of just <laughs> um, epic epic photo. One of the best photos yep. ever. And it, uh, of course, she has given people many moments. I remember. Um, I think that the last time she was at the Jets, that short term spell for um, which coined twenty twenty one, I think, and just yeah, you could see. Uh, the difference between her and the players coming up through hoping to be like her one day, but yeah, one of the Hunter Valley's uh, greatest ever products. So I think that swings in very nicely to the last uh, Matilda's AFC Olympic qualifier, a 3-0 victory over Taiwan, and uh, that has sealed possibly, thanks to a little bit of luck of the draw, a place in the third round and a two-legged playoff against Uzbekistan, who which will happen um on the twenty-fourth and twenty-eighth of February. And our first my first thought, I think same as all of us, thank goodness it wasn't North Korea or Japan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh I, I mean I think I think we could have beaten North Korea. Um uh, but I would prefer not yeah. to test that theory. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, yeah those are yeah I like I like you. I like coming up with theories that I also don't want to test. Yeah. That, that's definitely one of them. I like my players yeah. also having their knees left. Yes. Um, yes. Intact. Yeah. yeah. I love, love knees. Love yep, knees. Yep, yep. Really good stuff. Really yeah. good stuff I, in the football world. Yeah. It's, um, it is interesting though, because there are obviously, uh, we'll probably come on to it later, but Sydney FC women are over there at the that's moment right. in, in Uzbekistan for the, for the Asian club cup. Um, and, I can't recall the Matildas playing in Uzbekistan, like in my mental lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen we've seen the Socceroos play over there a, f- a few times, and like it's mm. it's a pretty hostile atmosphere. Yeah. Um, but it will be interesting to see how they go in terms of in terms of how Uzbek play. They are, from what I understand, a pretty good uh, like technical team. Mm. Um, I've seen their I've actually seen the national futsal team play in the Asian futsal championships, so mm. they're pretty got a bit of nouse around the ball but yeah i'm definitely i'm definitely thankful that we're not having like a two-legged time yang or something oh um, yeah that's um... 120,000 people at the mayday stadium would just be mm. too much for me a little heart to handle yeah that's uh <laughs> I, I don't yeah i i i don't want to watch um i don't want to watch a game no. in Pyongyang with skin in the game. That's that. That's yeah. not fun. The closest I had to that was the Oli Roos qualifying for I think the two, trying to qualify for the 2008 Olympics, and they actually did the job. But it's just yeah, even that relatively safe two 0 win. I think that's too much. No, I remember Melissa Barbieri gave a spoke about it on a very long time ago 442 Forum podcast. Yeah. This is really pulling Oof. back the years. 
but uh, she was like, there were, we were only allowed to take one computer in for the whole team. Mm. Nobody could have their phones. They could only have one projector. They couldn't leave the hotel unless they were being, like, basically had a police escort. So, yeah, it's um, Japan, you can have that. Yeah. That's... Look forward to it. Yeah, look forward fact, to that Japan, very, I'm, I'm told, very fond of technology such as that. So yeah, I'm, very I'm sure that Japan and North Korea will get on great in this game. <laughs> Not that they have any form of, you know, history between those two countries. <sighs> ah, yes. That's um, <laughs> Dale's weekly skirting towards the edge of something that's really outside of the scope of this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, back to the game. <laughs> yeah, I think... The Taiwanese keeper was excellent, and yeah, you know, the the typical got, keeping the score down. Mm-hmm. Bit, yeah. I got a text from my dad afterwards. Back in, he's back in Melbourne. I was in Perth to watch the game, and the text just said, um, "Taiwan keeper busy and good." I was like, "You know what? So true, Dad. You yes. were so right." <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of analysis that you want from from Dad. That's no, absolutely, I, I like it. I know at, at the game is like um, when when the Taiwanese team came around, um, we were giving them a big, a big cheer and and they loved it and they deserved it. Like they 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 played really well. Um, it, it was only like that to hold the Matildas out in that first half, uh, and then to be broken by a bit of Mary Fowler brilliance. Um, yeah. oh. We all love to oh see. Oh my goodness! What? <laughs> no, I thought what a wonderful uh, but yeah, absolutely. The um, the keeper was amazing, and yeah, I, and and that's and, and I say it again and again. It's why I've actually been quite disappointed in in Thailand recently. It's like we want Southeast Asian and and Asian teams like those those ones that have been in that kind of second tier. We want them to really keep improving, and we want them to challenge because. That's what makes it. It's what makes football fun, right? Like, if we want an Asian Cup, we want an Asian Cup that's fun and competitive and and really hard. I mean, like you know, saying that we didn't get to the final last yes, time, yeah. but you know, it's 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 um, yeah, we we want to see the game progressing all across um, our confederation to make it stronger in the long term. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. Totally agreed. Oh no, I've just logged out of WordPress and I. While I was looking at the run sheet, well, that's a disaster. Well, while I sort that out, um, <laughs> Tilly's adjacent news, or more than more than adjacent, Samco winning yet another trophy, AFC Women's Player of the Year, and I think pretty expected. Complaints? Yeah, I, no complaints from me. I was surprised. I, I well, surprise is probably the wrong word because it's not really something that I think about on a daily basis. But the grassroots, uh, like the Federation of the Year award, mm. Australia winning that. Um, yes, that eyebrows completely, raised. Completely yeah. unexpected, um, but yeah, I can't. Really, you can't really argue with Kerr being named player of the women's player of the year. I mean, we kind of done it all. We're the we're the last team standing at the World Cup in terms of Asian teams. Mm. She's won she won the treble last year or um, a bunch of trophies last year. But Chelsea can't really can't really complain. Absolutely not. Also, um. Very um, heartwarming news from, you know, I think the Matilda most likely to provide this, Alex Chidiak playing in a mini mini Rouge game at halftime. Just a very Chid's thing to do. Mm. I mean, she's got to get a game time somehow, doesn't she? Yeah. (laughs) I was going with Alex Chidiak. (laughs) 
yeah, that's let me know good. How, let me know how that works. It, <laughs> it, it, I love that's, it. That's, that's the pod title. Alex yep. Kidiak. Yep. yep, done. Yeah. Thank Land. you. I will, and <laughs> now I will hold up. Uh, I'll hold up the pod because just oh, for Emma's trying benefit. trying to log out this time. Yeah. Um. <laughs> for, our, for Emma's benefit, I am like a goldfish, so I need to, yes. I need to put things I, in the slack right now. Otherwise, they're going. I did also watch the Philippines-Iran game. Um, i got to say... I was pretty impressed with Iran um, mm. for for the whole tournament, to be honest. Um, I know that they kind of walked away with nothing uh, on the score sheet, mm. but they were. I, I really feel they're like two players away from being in that second tier that Madge mm. was discussing before. Yeah. Like they're really technically qualified players. Obviously, there's a whole thing around like women playing sport in Iran, and we won't go into that. Um, but they're like a striker away from being a like they're like a Serena Bolden away from being a good team. Um, they just look like with this game against the Philippines, they get all the way up the park and then they'd kind of just have no push for that last pass, um, which is a little disappointing. But I mean, to hold the Philippines to one nil mm. um, in a kind of a dead rubber for, for Iran, um, then like I was, I was quite impressed with their performance throughout the tournament. Yeah. And um, yes, as I alluded to earlier, the Philippines ending up, missing out on the third round because their goal difference was worse than Uzbekistan. So those eight goals that Matilda scored really coming back to haunt uh, uh, the country of my parents' heritage. Oh, well, at least, well, match we got what we wanted though, which was, I think we Not spoke about it last week. Not yeah, <laughs> Make, yeah that, that might've been, that might've been the thing that, that did it, that there was mm-hmm. now, because obviously we couldn't have played the Philippines if we, if Australia and the Philippines had both gone through. So yeah, it's, that's, I, I'll I'll take it, I suppose. Although um, I just want to say, can we get Japan out for a friendly at some stage? Because yes, we please. have not played them in what feels like forever, um, and it feels like too long. Last time we played them, twenty eighteen was Asian Cup final. Asian Cup final. Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah. So like, I know, that, we, we played Brazil a bunch. We played the US yeah. a bunch now. Like next time, there's that weird European where they were. <laughs> They're all playing with themselves. Nation, the Nations Let's League, play yeah. Japan. That's right. that's right. I think, yeah, yeah. that's that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, Actually, it is more than five years. Yeah, so mm. yeah, that and before well, that, the, before that, I, the only time I can think of prior to that was the Olympic quarterfinal of the twenty, yeah, or the quarterfinals of the twenty fifteen World Cup twenty sixteen uh, Olympic Cup. qualifiers. Yeah, that that mad five games in nine days one. Yep. And yet somehow the men get drawn against them like every yep. three mm-hmm. months. <laughs> Yes. I don't know. I mean, I know why it happens. It's because obviously there's East Asia and West Asia, but yeah. Come on. We can have a little East Asia tournament. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's right. As Basically, if, the Nations League. Yeah, yeah. Based, yeah. Do it. Oh, we, we can't be in their Nations League. Let's make our own Nations League with Black yeah. Hookers. Anyway, sorry. Yes. We'll call it the <laughs> N- Asian League. <laughs> yes. I'm doing my best here. AFC, uh, <laughs> I am available for a consulting role. Yeah, uh, that's not that's not knocking Alex Kidiak off the. Oh, no, yeah, sorry. definitely not. No, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> it's it, it was good, but it's not it's not Alex no. Kidiak. No, no, we no. can we can definitely workshop. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, just um, also of course the Matildas not the only 
Aussie national team playing right now because the Power Matildas currently going very, going very very well at the IFCPF Asia Oceania Championships. That's at La Trobe University in Melbourne. Oh, the home of the Matildas, of course. So uh, they play two games as of the time of recording. A three 0 win over Japan. See, even they get to play Japan, and they <laughs> yeah. played Japan in the World Championship last year, and they played yeah. two friendlies against them earlier this year. Literally everyone except the Matildas, apparently. Justice yes. for the Matildas. Let us yeah. play Japan. Yes. I'd be all for it. And yeah, so yeah, uh, results there. So um, 3-0 win for the Paratillis over Japan and a 14-0 win uh, over Nepal. So, and just uh, something for the two parts, two of the parts of the Sydney close, that are closest to my heart, at least in a footballing sense. So Anne-Marie de Oriate from Sydney's Northern Beaches scoring against Japan again. And a double against Nepal for the Hillshire Zone, Eloise Northam. So lovely stuff. And <laughs> tickets, of course, still on sale. Uh, if you can dig around and find the link to that somewhere in the pod notes. But yeah, get get down to that if you can. And of course, the Pararoos in action also at um, the home of the Matildas because it's obviously women's and men's championships going on at the same time. Now, we've decided to pilot a new segment called Spicy Twitter Takes. And my goodness, we had a lot to be spicy about over the last week. So it's about that. The the general theme for this week is the, um, actually let's call it the begging by the youth of Australia for Matilda's jerseys and whatever pieces of Matilda's. You've never sounded older. Uh, no, like, uh, right yeah. now. Maybe, maybe this should be called the old people yell at cloud. I, I, that, that, the okay. youth of Australia are begging. I would like <laughs> yeah. to exclude myself from this narrative. I'm 24. Yes. And you are also, a lot older than the, the people we are talking about and also possibly more sensible than the parents. Anyway. I, I would like <laughs> to yeah. hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've linked to three articles that I thought were great. So we see um, Megan and Maurice wrote for The Guardian, access to women athletes should be a privilege, not an entitlement, which is yeah, just pretty a title that pretty much sums it up. Isabel Coots wrote about it for Optus Sport and the Queen of Sports Journalism, Samantha Lewis. I, I like this one. The Matildas are entering their Taylor Swift era. What does this mean? So three really good pieces that I recommend. But yes, we embedded some tweets. And of course, it's almost like serendipity. The first one is from Emma. Need secchies so, at the gates of every so Dove and Tilly's game in the future to have a giant dumpster ready for when they vet every sign. Any kit begging? Dumpster. Don't care if your small child cries. They can go in the dumpster too. Here, here. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it. that um, if if Karens were listening to this podcast, they would have complained by now. So I hope we're safe with that one. But that's fine. I'll yeah. take it. Maddie it's Day- not the first time. Yeah, won't be the first time they come for me. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maddie date. I don't care how much you spent on glitter at the reject shop. The gl- girls don't owe you anything. With several clap emojis, the amount of signs begging for kids is wild to me. Uh, Rebecca Hain, I like this one. A reminder, a Woso ticket lets you see the game and maybe get a selfie. It's not little Jasmine's private birthday party where the princess gets a shirt. Stop being entitled parents. That, that was very good. That was very good. <laughs> I love that. And uh, a, a, a different approach from uh, Sophie at Greenshorts WNT. <laughs> the Tillies players need to keep their jerseys so they can give them to their team GB teammates who will be supporting them from back home during the Olympics. Thank you so much, Sophie, for that. <laughs> But yeah, um, I think I'll go to Mads first because you pre-pod, uh, you were, I mean, we've all had strong feelings about this, but uh, yeah, just this, the environment yeah. around Tilly's games, it's a, it's a bit uh, at the it's, end. It's a really hard one. And I, and I don't feel like I've got really um, mature thoughts to really get everything in my head 
straight as to, as to what I what I think about what's going on with and I think Sam's article sort of really touched on it like the 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 uh, the wild fandom that we've seen just really spike recently like I've been raging against the sign thing for mm. a long time it's been going on in men's sport for a long time um as mm. well we've just seen it really but we've seen it really take off in an extreme way with the Matildas recently and I feel like there's this media uh, the it's almost like a snake eating its own tail in that we're so desperate for uh, mainstream acceptance and coverage of women's sport mm. that absolutely everything and anything becomes like a, a clickbait um, moment mm. in the game. So the fact that, oh, women's sports um, play like players, they'll, they're so accessible. That's amazing. Let, let's really highlight that. But then when you grow the game to having 60,000 people at Optus Stadium in Perth, it's impossible for the players to meet the expectations mm. of fans who've had this expectation built through the media coverage that they'll be able to get a selfie with their player, that they'll be able to get a, a piece of memorabilia from a player. So it's, it's yeah, it's this awful cycle that seems to be going on and I I, I don't want to remember, I'm going to blame the media, but it, it's like every media outlet seems to, they, they want the individual story. They want what's, what's mm. that, what's that unique take? And I remember during the World Cup with Matilda's active support, we had so much media coming to us um, wanting the super fan. We want a super fan. Who are the fans who've gotten tattoos? Who who are the people who've done the extreme things? But to me, what's amazing about sport and following sport is the community behind it. And and a lot of that community isn't extreme. A lot of that community just goes to games week in, week out, enjoys hanging with their friends. And and it's and it's not, I guess it's not newsworthy, but when all of the news that keeps getting churned out about a sport is the extreme end you start building an extreme nature around the fandom which um that so that that's where my thoughts are at the moment i'm sure they'll um they'll they'll keep emerging as as we move the, through things and the other the other thing that i, I do want to say is that um coming off um sam lewis's article around the the, the swift swiftification it is something that i've had conversations with with friends about it's like it's it's the Matildas are almost like their their pop stardom now, and mm-hmm. there's this there's this almost rabid sort of fandom that you think of like with Harry Styles fans or um you know the, like let's go back let's go old school like Beatles fans and there's something about like a a teen girl fandom that is that is can be really full on, but it's also not something that it's something that I think we haven't seen hugely in women's or in sport before so not to say that the way that you know young girl fans do their fandom is a bad thing but I think we need to find a way to sort of like curb down that entitlement and the celebrity aspect where people feel like they can go too far but I think and I think Sam used used the terms of like you know kids going to games like with homemade shirts and and glitter signs Absolutely. Let's bring that. Let's bring that different sort of fan support. Um, and and it doesn't have to be 
what traditional sport support is, mm. but we're just going to make sure we sort of like don't have that entitlement and stepping over the line um, that sometimes happens in, I think you see it a lot in celebrity culture, but yeah, how, how do we manage that in, in a sporting context? Yeah. Anyone have anything to add to that? That was that was, I was great. Say, I'd be keen, I was keen, I'd yeah. be keen to hear, hear Emma's thoughts on this, to be honest. Um well my first thing, what you said, Madge, about um Opta Stadium. I don't know if there's been a stronger argument for Matilda's games in oval stadiums. Because if they can't get near the fans, <laughs> they won't get anything. <laughs> <laughs> They'll um, still scream though. They'll scream. Oh, they will, but They'll that's scream louder. like that's that's a given. <laughs> Like it's Matilda's, they're gonna get yelled at. They're on, like they're on the pitch. They're gonna get yelled at. Um, yeah, no, it's I. I haven't been like going to the football like for a very long time. I'm, I'm a new, newer sort of import. I got into this around the uh, World Cup in 2015. Seeing the way it's changed so quickly, I remember going to the uh, dub final in 2015-16 there was like 4,000 people there and people were just so happy to be there I was ecstatic to be there um and now it's like it's huge and it's incredible that it's so huge but with everything when you get that like mass coverage obviously the bad sides are gonna emerge um, and even at the final game at HBF Park, it was about 10 minutes until the final whistle. I had a swarm of like small children all with these signs asking for jerseys, asking for boots, like asking for anything they could get their hands on, basically. Like all started sitting in the aisle and blocking the entire thing. I was in like row E, e or something and they were all the way up to me. And further on, they got cleared out by the the securities, the the seckies multiple times, but they kept coming back. We couldn't see anything because they kept like standing as well. It's like, mm. yeah, well, if that was okay. active support, we'd be kicked out. I yeah. know. I you would have you wouldn't have been like they would have seen you looking at the aisle, and that would have been enough for them. Um, but yeah, the entitlement makes me feel a bit insane because it makes me question what you're really there for like are you there to support or are you there looking for like clout like are you looking mm. to get the instagram pics mm. take them at half time like a normal person like with you like the background of the ground i yeah bringing in signs like fun ones where it's saw one that was a giant thing of just Mackenzie arnold's head yeah excellent <laughs> please keep bringing those Mm. Or like the ones that are just puns based off of players' names, oh, yes, you know, Ford tough, yes. good stuff. Yeah, please more. But just the, especially as like women, you don't. A lot of the time, you don't want to deny people. You don't want to say no to people. You feel, you feel obliged mm. to say yes. These players aren't given a hundred thousand kids. They're given like two in the A League women's. They can't. They can't be handing them out all the time. It's not sustainable for the players. They get paid like three dollars a week. They can't do this. Uh, it, yeah, it's. I, it feels really icky to me. Like when I see the signs, I just want to. Mm, what? 
why did no one stop you? If it's especially if it's someone that looks like they're older, like in their like teens or mm. even in their twenties, it's like, do none of your friends care about you enough to stop you from doing this? Yeah, mm. yeah. It, it becomes feeling like a really inauthentic experience. Yeah. It's it's it just becomes a like you said that that clout thing, and 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 I think that feeds back into the media idea, in that a lot of the uh, there are a lot of influencers who come into the game as well and that yeah, people that's are just crazy there. as well yeah and and it's all just very it's all it's all based on the individual it's like it's all mm. about me 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 it's not about a collective experience which is when i think sport can be at its best is when as a crowd you're in like you are in the moment and you are like I, probably the, the most recent example I can think of is that penalty shootout against France. Everyone in that stadium, I'm sure there were people, you know, doing selfies and, and stuff at the time, but most people I feel like in that stadium at that time were just transfixed on the moment. And when it becomes mainly about being a spectacle, it takes away from what I love about the game and what I love about going to the game. So I, I understand from a Football Australia point of view, they want to make the money. They want to strike while the iron's hot. We're all, we're all going like, let's go to the MCG. Let's, And that's the other thing. It's, it's all about breaking a record. It's all about a media headline. Let's get 100,000 people out of Matilda's game, which is great, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but how great is it in the long term? Like I, I, I just, I struggle a little bit with with the the chase it feels like the marketers are running are running the the joint instead of yeah like and what's gonna happen like i keep thinking about what's gonna happen when like the bubble bursts Mm. like what happens when the matildas hit like a bad run or when sam kerr retires is it all Mm. just it's over (laughs) they're shutting up shop are the matildas the this I, I think there was a, a thread off the back of Sam's articles like are the Matildas like the studio and we're just gonna keep churning out hits um and players that I guess that's probably what Football Australia are looking for. They mm. expect that like but is that what it's going to be or or is this something that's just been built on the back of a few personalities and how sustainable is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean it it reeks to me of the, there's a there's a, a theory in sociology called conspicuous consumption where people wear brands so that they know that they have they can display their wealth and their prestige and their and their um and their worth in a in a capitalist sense and it kind of feels like this is conspicuous fandom in that sense of being able to have your photo taken or being able to get a jersey or boots or whatever it is and and like I don't I don't um, blame these girls because as you say it is mainly girls and and as you say um like these are their heroes and that's that's all well and good like i don't i don't blame the the young ones for for wanting to be a part of this but there comes a point where as you say like you we have to kind of think like this is a workplace i mean this is this is what these women do for a living and 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 i don't think that they 
was, I can't remember who it was this week, but it was one of the players from the England team said that, you know, you kind of feel bad because at some point you're going to have to say no, like, and, and you might make a hundred people's days, but if you, as, as we, as we said before, if you annoy little, little Jasmine on her, uh, on her private birthday party, like that's going to be somebody who's going to be making, making a complaint. And there was a story this week where one of the, like a mum made a complaint to the England team because their kid didn't get a photo with a player. And like, that, that's sad and that sucks, but like, that's life. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's a harsh lesson to learn, but it is life. It's just, they're not owed so, it. Yeah, you're not owed anything. They've, they've sold these teams on access. Yes. Like, it, it's and, giving and, show ponies. Yeah, and Sam made a good point about that in her in her yarn about the the documentaries and about the the social media access that we get from these players and and I feel like our fans feel like they're as you say they feel like they're they're owed that because that is the behaviour that has been modelled to them by Football Australia the Matildas through their kind of personal Instagram pages and and that kind of thing and. Through the media, by as you say, looking for the super fan, looking for who can be get the next headline, looking for who can be the best at uh, showing their fandom. But like at the end of the day, two there's there's two factors here. A, there's just like that there is a cultural cringe around going to a like we have we've had for so long this cultural cringe around going to a game play it and and supporting teams in a very specific way which is kind of eurocentric and or, or south american centric in terms of activity at the activity at the game as as Madge would know through matildas and the raw core and not conforming to that level not conforming to that expectation of what it means to be a football fan is something that australians have have football fans have dealt with for a long time and then you have these younger mainly girls come along and then treat these players like pop stars and the community is still kind of like well that's not how you're meant to support these players but the reality is as i said like this is their workplace you if you came into my workplace and asked for my shoes i a be very concerned and very confused but b like there's just there's only so much that i can give like i only get a couple of pairs of these shoes per year or I only get, as you said, I only get two shirts a work week. It's just, it's, there needs to be, there needs to be a little bit of a handbrake put on this. And whether that's just, you know, we look at your signs before they come in, don't beg for, don't, don't ask for shirts or don't ask for anything from the players. Like that's, I think is a fair middle ground. If you want to have a shirt, if you want to have a sign that says, I sat, I, I quit my job to be here. All power to you, but you know, um, I think we just need to be a little bit more respectful of these players, to be honest. Yes, I I don't have anything to add. Also, as someone who once got a selfie with Matilda McNamara while standing in a part of Gosford Stadium it wasn't allowed to be in, I now may not be the best person. <laughs> yeah, to Stop be hosting this in right aisles, now, Eric. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes. Also, yeah. also conspicuous consumption. View. I'm looking at left at all my custom jerseys. Mm. Anyway, yeah. at least the, I didn't ask the players for them. I paid for them. Exactly. I, yeah. What happened to that? What happened yeah. to buying a kit and then That's begging? What, I was going to say Christmas that well. coming oh, up. It's perfect. Will you please sign it. Like I've done that. I, yeah. I will fully admit to it. I did that. I did climb over chairs at Amy Park to get Steph Catley to sign my kit. It was. And I think that's kit. fine. Yeah, that's I, fine. It was a spew kit. It was personalized with her name that. on it. <laughs> And exactly. she has every right to say no because it's yeah. it takes like a second of her time and she can just be like, actually, I need to go into the rooms now. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. No harm, yeah. no foul. 
Mm. And as you've said, you've kind of put your money where your mouth is. You've paid for that. Yeah. It's not a, it's just a, it's a fan jersey. And like, if you get all the team to sign it, then you can hang it up. Yeah. Uh, or whatever you want to do with that. it's a fun little, you can like remember like, oh, yeah, I did that. That was fun. Not a $300 custom tailored jersey that these players that are being given. Sweaty. Oh, yeah. I wonder where yeah. all these jerseys that have been given away are at this moment. Right? Like, I'm sure they're not eBay? being full framed. Well, oh, no. I, I feel like I feel I I I feel like we're maybe not that sophisticated in Australia yet. That there might be a few people who are doing that, but I feel like a bunch of them are just like sitting at the bottom of some kids. Yeah. <laughs> like doing nothing. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And um by the way, although this is completely useless because by the time you the people hear this, the game's already finished, but the recording is now overlapped with Sydney FC's AFC Women's Club Championship game against um, Katoon. It's there's been not many minutes on the clock, and Sydney FC have already scored. So good for them. Uh yeah. Let's talk about some actual football. Dub round free on the weekend, <laughs> please. That that was, but that was great. Thanks, thanks to all of you. Um, just a brief rundown through the scores. Uh, Wellington two, Brisbane one, Canberra two, Perth three, Victory two, Adelaide nil, Western United two, Melbourne City two, and Newcastle one, Wanderers one. So I think just because. Your team was first, Madge. I mean, painful one, at least to start the weekend, but at least it it was the early game in New Zealand, so you got it over with quickly. Is that better? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, it was it was a frustrating game for Brisbane. I mean, Wellington, that goal that they went ahead with, it was like, I think there were like four raw players around. It was just like perfectly placed mm. um, to, to glance that header. Uh, past Jordan Silkowitz. So, I mean, it was it was a really nicely taken set piece. Throughout the game, it, it kind of, it, it really ebbed and flowed, I thought. Um, there are periods when, you know, Brisbane, mm. you know, could have gotten one back. Um, but I feel like overall, Wellington were probably the more fluid team where there was a lot of frustration watching the game of Brisbane not being able to string their passes together. And, like, there were a few... Um, plays where I thought, you know, Wellington were, you know, playing some really, really lovely football. Um, really, ha- I guess from a Brisbane perspective, really happy with Mia Corbin's um, performance. She was running all day. I guess what was like unfortunate is that she spent a lot of her, her time sort of um, back to goal, sort of like and a bit isolated up front. Um, but then when she did get to facing goal, she had like that shot that was like parried on to the bar mm. uh, and then eventually um, yes. smacked one away. So it's great to see her get off the mark and, and see what she's capable of. And I just, I, and I think, you know, hopefully, you know, when we've got like a, a Ishinori sort of fitter and playing more minutes and uh, although I thought like Kai Stevenson was, was pretty great in midfield um, for Brisbane. Um, and I guess the, the big thing for Wellington was having Annalie Longo come on um, late in the in the second half and scoring that goal, which unfortunately um, she sort of uh, was able to get around um, um, Junior Matilda. Oh, I'm having a complete mind blank. Um, Ruby Cuthbert. Ruby Cuthbert, thank yes. you. Uh, my God, I'm getting old. She's still running down the, the tunnel as we yeah. speak. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she she just come on, and it was unfortunate. It was a real, it was it was a poor sort of back pass from um from Ishnori, yeah. 
who've been pretty good sort of before that. But um, yeah, and Wellington really pounced on it. And but yeah, great to see Annalie Longo back in the league as well. And um, and playing for Wellington, playing 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 for a, a club in her you know home country. Um, that's great to see. We haven't seen her in the league for a while. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, but it was yeah good to see Brisbane come back. But probably a fair result in the end. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I and with the Cuthbert thing, I mean the way that Longo took that shot into the close into the near corner to swivel her hips on the finish like that was pretty outstanding. I mean, yeah, there could have been, you know, several Jordan Zukovitzes in the goal and there wouldn't have been much much difference, unfortunately. But yeah, I was I was quite impressed with uh with both teams to be honest. This was one of the better games of the, mm-hmm. of the well, it was a it was a, a round of good games, to be honest. Yeah. Um but yeah, this was definitely a little more tense than the others. I'm I will say the goal that uh the goal that Brisbane scored was an Oof. absolute banger as well. What a finish. Um, it and... is, that, that, that's what I took from it. It was like, oh, if we can get Mia Corbin facing yeah. this goal a bit more. Like, I mean, what I love about it is that she is a hold-up sort of nine. Yeah. Like, so she can, and she does have a good touch, so she can do that. Yeah. Like, I can see her assisting like a Tamika Yallop or something at, in mm-hmm. games in the future, but the fact that when she had those few great chances facing to goal and, and taking a shot um, – I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a good point. Wellington, definitely. It's something I noticed in the trial game against Central Coast and then carrying on to the season way more fluid than last year. Also, that Macy Fraser chop that she does where she fakes fakes to uh, shoot and then swivels her body and sends defenders for a can of LMP. That's, um, that's, I think that's my new favorite move in the dub because it, it, it seems it seems to cause absolute devastation, like especially that goal she scored against the Wanderers. But let's spread the pain around. Dale, Canberra two, Perth three. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Uh look. <laughs> uh Chloe Lincoln did not have a good game. Um the first goal that Perth scored, I think she'd be wanting that back. Um, but in saying that, um she'd make a couple of she also had that ball that ricocheted back off Mia Farrow in the, in the late in the first half as well. She tried to clear it out from from the back, but um, you know these things will happen. Uh, Annalie Grove had a shocker a couple of weeks ago. Chloe Lincoln can have a, a shocker this week. We'll, we'll share the former and current goalkeeping shockers of Canberra FC, uh, Canberra United players around. Um, but yeah, I, I was impressed with Perth um, with. There, as you said about Wellington, Eric, just the fluidity with which they mm. played. Um, they seem to be like that. It's not like they've turned a corner. They were good last year. I think they were just a little more. I think they were just a little unlucky, but they've yeah. they've been much more consistent in their in their kind of the high press. The finishing's been a lot more consistent. Obviously, they won that penalty, mm. um, which ended up basically being the sealer. Um, but yeah, I think both teams will take kind of stuff out of this. Alex Parkas ruining my life once again. Uh, also, the first time that Perth have ever won in Canberra. Yeah, that's an incredible stat that it's yep. taken this long. Yeah, well, they had two four-all draws, if I recall correctly, as well. Was that were those in the same season as well? I think they were one season after the other, okay. but they. I'm almost certain they were both in Canberra. Not a not the point of this story, but yeah, hmm. um, yeah. I mean, there's. There's there's plenty to like for Canberra going forward. I think they're just I think they're just a little shorthanded in midfield, but that is what happens when you lose players of the quality of 
of uh, Hughes and Ma, unfortunately. But you know, the, the the good thing about this season is that it is a long season. Yes, very good point. You can almost for the first time in dub history actually recover from a slow start. Because... You can honk for like ten weeks and still make the finals. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right, because it's six out of twelve. Six, so... 12, six yes. out of twelve. But yeah, and that I'm now well, I made this ridiculous prediction preseason, but I'm more confident going back. God, not to just going back to Wellington. I I think they will make the finals because it's just because it's six teams. I think they I think they're good enough. I really would like to see that happen. I wouldn't be surprised if both Perth and Wellington make the finals that, this year. That was part of my um ridiculous mm. preseason tweet. They both make the finals, which I will drag up either to laugh at myself or to gloat, depending on what happens. Yeah. But um, yeah, the next two games are. In, uh, Melbourne, so might as well throw to Emma. Victory to Adelaide nil, and a, a great game, a two-all draw between Western United and Melbourne City, but yeah, I think, firstly, starting with victory did pretty much what we expected expected them to do, Emma? Yeah, yeah, mostly. I, I think it's mostly what people have been expecting them to do the whole time. So I guess I'm assuming there's a lot of victory fans that are kind of like sighing in relief. You know, the wheels are not falling off, guys. Um, yeah, but the centre backs looked like they were having quite a good time together out there, Checker and uh, Morrison. Um, I didn't actually see too much of that game, so I can't really comment that much on um, Adelaide. But yeah, it really did just look like victory. We're back to victory things. Um, I did see all of the Western um, United City game, which was interesting. Um, it was a good game, but there were just some some silly mistakes outside of it being obviously the Holy McNamara show for City, mm. um, as it oft is to be. Mm. The first goal that Western United scored was just like it shouldn't have happened. Mm. It was just ball watching and then just leaving Keane behind in mm. front of goal. Like who does that? Mm. Who does that? No one that wants to keep a clean sheet does that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Rebecca Stott also had quite a good game as well. Um, and Holly McNamara is Holly McNamara. You don't really need to say anything else there. Um, I also thought it was quite lovely of them to all be wearing purple armbands yes. and ribbons in honour of uh, Darcy Malone's mother who passed away uh, recently from cancer. So that was very nice as well. Um, it was also the first time that Western United has ever drawn a game the whole time that they've oh, been oh, yeah, in, yeah, in A-League women's. So That's a wild stat. stat. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, they've been playing for a while now, so mm. interesting that it took this long to get there. It's also, I think, the first time City's taken points from them. City's never beaten them before, so. Right. Yeah, mm. yeah. But that was about it there. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, that goal at the end from Carly Johnson. Ooh. Oh, that was ridiculous. Yeah. That really, that really upset me. I won't lie. Yeah. <laughs> just, it was one of those things where you you saw her take that step and you just knew that it was going to go in. Yeah. I think. Uh, I'm, McNamara, and I'm wondering whether or not I'm just remembering her pre ACL. I, I mean, she was younger, but I feel like watching her in the highlights, it's like, She's become, like, in a physical sense, a bit like Caitlin Ford when she's sort of bulked up and that she's just kind of like, like, she's just physical, not in a dirty way, but it's like she'll just bounce off things, bounce off tackles, bounce off 
challenges and just barrel on and it's it's really amazing to see uh yeah love watching her play yeah um yeah and I mean, she's probably she's probably 90 percent 90 percent thigh after after <laughs> two acls is it a three i thought it was three yeah three acls i mean she'd be she'd be squatting like 700 kilos yeah um <laughs> but yeah i mean that's the kind of thing where you look at players like Hannah Lowry is always one that I come back to. Yes. Um, and Emma Ilioski is obviously one as well, but I mean, she has the sort of disadvantage of being four foot eight. But um, yeah, Hannah Lowry is the similar kind of player where she just needs to go and eat pies for three months and just pick things up and put them down. Yeah. Um, because she just, that, that's the thing with Holly McNamara is she was just, she's now going to be able to be that player who can either be like, maybe not as fast as Elisa Devanna, but as physical as Elisa Devanna, or as, as you say, like a, like a, a kind of modern Caitlin Ford where she just mm. pinballs around um, and just runs through things. Mm. Yep. Yep. And um, I think so. it's even more obvious live. I actually, during NPL TV commentary this year, I noticed Holly McNamara's burst of acceleration is unbelievable. It goes from, it's like in the click of a finger, it goes from standing still to past the defender with almost mm-hmm. nothing in the middle. She, it, she goes to like full speed in three steps. It's incredible. So, ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. It's a, and um, I feel like that's not the last worldy uh, Holly McCall score. I think there's a few more. She might, she might end up with her own goal of the season. It was Mary Fowler-esque. Can yes, like, just that sort of thing. Mm. It's like very little backlift. Just like I, I, in the commentary, I think they said that she placed it. It still felt like it had a good bit oh. of power behind it. So yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. And oh yeah, but in that game at um Grace Gill on play by play commentary again. She's doing a great job. She, <laughs> I, I like that she can be both the play by play caller and the analyst. Uh, you don't get that a lot, and she's good to know. There's that's another thing that Grace Gill is good at. Um. Oh, and finally, Newcastle won. Wanderers won. Oh, the Wanderers so close to a win. Scored their first goal of the season, and then of all things, denied by a Cass Davis twenty like twenty five yard volley. I cannot believe that goal. <laughs> oh, that goal goodness. was insane. <laughs> I like of all of the players in the dub. In the dub, it's not Cass Davis. Yes, <laughs> Cass Davis yes. goal of the year. And yes, <laughs> like, it was Cass Davis. I don't want to be. I don't want to be. Yeah, I think that is a genuine contender for goal of the year. Yeah. Like the way that she just walked through that ball was <laughs> poetic. Uh and it's just like perfect technique. Um she did not look like she was expecting that. One um, goal but yeah. second goal of your yeah. career in ten she, years. <laughs> she just broken the she just broken the club record for most appearances, if I recall correctly as well. Hundred and thirty two. Yeah, and she's played. It's like all consecutive eight. as well. Yeah, yeah she's played. She's over yeah, 10 years. no, never missed a game. Um, she's kind of jet through and through, and yeah, I mean, what a finish! Wanderers, tough. Yeah, unlucky. Oof, <laughs> breaks your heart. It really yeah. does. It does. Yeah, and I'm um, also, as I was saying, pre-pod. Um, Cass Davis's other goal is a winner against Wellington towards the back end of last season in a game Wellington had led twice in Newcastle. So Cass Davis clearly breaker of hearts mm. went on the rare occasions when she does score. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, kind of dub adjacent news of obviously the sixth game that was scheduled for this round, Sydney versus Central Coast Mariners. Now I think it's Wednesday, January 17th at Leichhardt Oval. Um, as Sydney FC are currently playing, literally in the case of this pod, currently playing in the AFC Women's Club Championship. Uh, very interesting news. They For the tournament, Sydney FC have gone for the complete opposite ends of the experience spectrum, signing Jessica Seaman, a dub 
play a dub play from many years ago. She's back in the dub, and also lightning quick um, teenager Kelly Kelly Talon Henneker, who's been training with them. So actually, did Jess Seaman not play for the Central Coast Mariners? Like that's um, how long ago we're talking. Um, while we discuss this, I will look her up. But I think you may be right. She, I, I, my first memory of her is at the Wanderers, and yes, it Sydney FC. I'll, I should remember this by the end. You are right, Dale. Played for the Central Coast Mariners in 0910. That's wow. how long ago it was. I feel like she was centre back partner with Caitlin Cooper. Um, really, that sounds about right for Mariners. Uh, yes. I mean, em, Emma would have been like a zygote at this point. So <laughs> yes. um, just I trust me just, that those, I, I, those games happen. like 10, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. And uh, uh, I am just looking at that that game, Sydney versus Bumkatoon. Sydney, 92% possession, according to this. Don't wow. know how uh, realistic that is, but I did just look that up. Yep. <laughs> and um, Sydney FC had have tweeted uh, with... Jess Seaman starting the game against Baum Cartoon. So uh, 5,412 days since her last appearance for Sydney FC. That's incredible. Oh, goodness. It's almost as long as how, how long it's been since Wanderers won a game. Yep. That sounds about right. <laughs> uh, definitely. Sounds, that sounds like the, the number of days since Wanderers last goal in a derby. Oh, it sounds like the, the, how long it since their most recent player was born. <laughs> Are we are we going to roll into that? <laughs> yes. Come on, Eric. I'm doing my best. Yep, that was that 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 sounds about right. That we can do the pod notes slightly out of order. Yeah. Um. It was. Uh, thanks to Stefan for alerting us of the first, um, wondrous fourteen-year-old debut. That was Tali Eunice before the international break. I uh, I do I didn't feel like talking about it for. I didn't quite feel right. And then uh, it, it's happened again. Isha Brooking getting a late run against the Jets. And yeah, this is possibly an extension of spicy Twitter takes. Firstly, um, our very own Molly Appleton. Wanderers, come on, you're better than this. I know West Sydney's a hotbed of young talent, but this reeks you don't have a deep enough squad to play at this level. 14-year-olds are kids. They shouldn't be playing at this level. On the rare chance, it's an exception, not weekly debuts. And and also, it's very odd because Ishia Brookings from Western Australia. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, and then Kieran Yap. This is our weekly Kieran Yap tweet. That we, by all accounts, she's a prodigy, but I'm not sure this is ideal for player or club to be breaking this record two games in a row. So, Madge, I might start with you because this kind of... The way this has been covered links back to that thing you said earlier about clickbait. I a lot of this is making me very uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 like anytime there's something like a record breaking thing, it's like you just see keep up in the A League's accounts just salivate and they're they're pushing it. And I mean, I really hope that and I oh, no, I don't only hope, I expect I would expect that <clears throat> club staff aren't doing this sort of stuff on purpose like I mean I know it was only a couple of minutes that um that you came on for but it, it it feels a bit cynical um at times um and I I really hope that uh this isn't like a dog chasing the tail sort of situation mm. where we're just doing things for the sake of um breaking records or um making headlines um i mean i know it's a competitive environment especially in australia for 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 media coverage mm. of of sports and women's sport in 
um, in particular, but, um, and this is where I'm sure others are going to be able to come in with a um, much better perspective than me, but yeah, it just feels like 14 year olds playing against um, grown women. And I think Kieran's like, or actually Molly's um, in particular, I mean, unless it's like a, a situation where a player is just exceptional and, <clears throat> and they're clearly able to compete and are not able to gain anything more from the levels that they're currently competing at, mm. why would you be doing it? Yeah. I think, so the current crop of established Matildas, their if you call senior football debuts, maybe whatever NPL first grade was at the time, would have been around about the age of 14, but that's when the player pool wasn't as big as it is now. Mm. Yeah. So that seems like a... A terrible idea. Also, NPL is different. I know it's it's lower pressure. Jess Nash completed the whole NPL first grade season as a fourteen year old, but that's not that wasn't playing in big stadiums. And uh, Jess Nash was at an NTC, and you know, development was the focus. So I think that could have been managed. That was managed. Well, we see what's happened with Jess. It was managed in the right way. This is uh, yeah. also um more a point more specific to Wanderers um. Yeah, two 14-year-olds being given debuts. Um, but it'd be awkward if the current NPL New South Wales Gold Medal Player of the Year and uh, Golden Boot was a former Wanderer who was from Western Sydney and currently doesn't have a contract. Yeah, currently mm-hmm. unemployed. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I mean, like, Isha Brooking was... She was... I'm just having a look at this. Uh, Football West had a report out last year. Isha Brooking was crowned under-16s player of the tournament at National Youth Championships. Yep. She was only six. She's only thirteen. Mm. That was November last year. Mm. She's shy, just shy of her fifteenth birthday. Like that's all well and good, but as you as you as you said, like this, there has to be an exception. This has to be an exception. Mm. And I know that they would have got they would have got permission from the there league. Was an, to, yeah, to, there was an exemption. Yeah, there that were exemptions. The yeah. But like, and and I know that this was only for a minute and all that kind of stuff. But like, like the what is what what are the what are the club doing? Like it just it just reeks to me of lack of player development, lack of ability to scout players, going and signing players basically out of the institute. And like if that's the case, then that's the case. And and they like one of the things with Canberra is that their stated aim for so long has been to develop local talent and to play players at a young age and to bring them forward into a position where they can thrive in a professional environment. But that's coming from an academy setup, which is obviously now not going to exist, but like mm. you're going from an NTC into a senior team and then potentially into youth national team uh, squads and then onto the Matildas. Whereas like, this is just, um, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's not, it's to me, like, it's not, it's not like she's some NPC player that they've just like, she's obviously a very good player, but um, it yeah, it does make me a little uncomfortable as to where this goes from here. Like, are they just going to keep playing these players who are keep signing players who are fourteen and fifteen and keep playing them? Because if that's the stated aim that you want to effectively be the future Matildas product, like we already have a future Matilda set up, if that's what you want to be and you want to be an extension of that, then that's all well and good. But like, then that kind of has to be a stated aim. It can't be, oh, we're just playing these young players because they're easy to get a hold of. And it'd want to be a stated kind of... aim and also maybe mm, not second yeah. coach 10 days before the start of the season. You'd have that is, yes, support. I've heard that helps. Yeah. That um, is mm-hmm. something I didn't want to bring up, but you are 100% <laughs> correct. 
Yes. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then you say, okay, well, we're just going to focus on bringing through the next crop of Matildas. We're going to do this in X, Y, and Z. And then you just kind of cut from the top in terms of your list. You say, we only want players who have been in the league for five or 10 years. And then we filter around them, everybody who else, all the other players who are going to be kind of filling the next, uh, filling the next player pool. But yeah, this is just super weird. Um, yeah, the, the thing that gets me personally is, I don't know if any of you guys remember being like 14 or 15. I uh, Vaguely, very vaguely. Would, it's a long time ago. I, yeah, It wasn't that too long ago for me. I would not, I would not be able to do that. Like mm. I would not be able to play against a fully grown adult. I stopped, mm. like I stopped playing team sports when I turned like 17 because it went straight to all ages. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, Eric wouldn't have been able to do it because football hadn't been invented by that point. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it also, I like, I understand exemptions were made, so clearly they went through all the processes, but it feels like there's a distinct lack of duty of care. These are, like, and obviously they're very good. We've all said this. They have to be good. You're not just throwing any 14-year-old off the street onto the pitch. But it, I, I don't know. It, it feels like a little bit like child exploitation and a lot like someone's career is going to get ended before it can even start. Remember that well, Remember that Wellington couldn't sign a 17-year-old player last year because it was oh, considered child Oh, yeah, child Amy Hall, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Because it, even though they were based in Wollongong, they couldn't sign yeah. a Sydney sider because yeah. it counted as an international transfer. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I just, I don't, I don't think it's any good. I just don't think it's any good. Um, back in, like, a couple of years ago, five, six, seven years ago, playing players like Ellie Carpenter coming through when she was like 15 feels like a very different story to now because of the developed player pool. Like you have no real reason to be doing this. If you cannot find players that are like 18, 19 or older, I have vet, like your whole entire system is questionable to me. Someone's someone a lot of people are not doing their job if you can only be fielding 14-year-olds. Yeah. Um, it's not, not people, good. Yeah, well said. Also, um, yep, there were players. Sam Kerr made her dub debut at 15, but the thing I always say, I think she would have made it if she'd waited another couple of years. Also, Sam Kerr, did she not have like two separate 12-month periods that were ruined by injury before the Matildas boom? Probably because she started too young. Um yeah. I, and I, yeah. I always think of um Joey Peters talking yes. about sort of burnout mm. um from what the model has been. Yeah. And that history where we've basically thrown young players into senior football, um young talented players and that, you know, oh we're gonna have the prodigies and, and rely on them to to bring us to it. And it's you know, like <laughs> I mean, in some cases, it's worked. Sam Kerr, that, that that crop of three that I was talking, Sam Kerr, Emily Van Egwon, <laughs> Caitlin Ford, all debuting um, very young. But, yeah, like everyone said, it, it's as the professionalism has grown, the player pool has grown, and, and but also that professionalism around the fitness mm. of the adults playing mm. has gotten exponentially better as well. Yeah. So just the difference in development, between a 14-year-old and a an 18-year-old mm. 
um, huge. in that two years. Yes, absolutely. And, and like, yeah, I completely agree. Emma It's like, I just really hope that none of these young players get seriously hurt yeah. um, during the season. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know, the, the weird analogy I had for this one was we think of Claire Hunt as kind of next generation of the Matildas. If she'd made her dub debut at this age, she would have made it in 2014. What are we? Anyway, uh, I mean, we should probably kind of uh, wrap this up. But yeah, thank, thanks everyone. I've really, it's been, at least it's been someone else other than me criticizing the Wanderers for a change. So that's <laughs> something. But just one uh, one more Wanderers related thing. Oh, uh, well, this is, I don't, although I don't think you could pin this on the club, the Wanderers versus Canberra game scheduled for Bathurst uh, on November Saturday, November 18th. Now uh, will be played somewhere in Sydney on that weekend because the pitch isn't ready because they didn't have enough hot weather, I think. I've linked to, I don't remember what the article said, but I have linked to it. Uh, just, yeah. Unseasonally, unseasonably cold. Yes. Was the explanation. So, so, so people in Bathurst not used to the cold. Um, I don't believe you, but okay. They have, like, they <laughs> play rugby league there in the winter. Uh, it's, it's, the summer grass probably just hasn't grown in, but, yeah. you know, Canberra and foreign grass is a, um, you don't know, there's a, there's a joke to be made there. But there, anyway. there is. And, um, Let's, anyway, uh, let's go, go to the other side of the world uh, because we should uh, acknowledge this uh, before we wrap it up. Um, yeah, Emma Hayes, it's been announced that uh, after her very long and very successful reign at Chelsea, she'll be leaving at the end of the WSL season. It's not official as of the time of recording, but pretty much everyone is of the same of agreement that it, it will be to join the US women's national team. So I did, it was a very nice um Twitter thread from Susie Rack about uh, it looks like she, she will end up Emma Hayes with a better work-life balance. She's talked about all the things in her personal life, all the um, struggles she's had while being a very successful WSL coach. And yep, I mean, she des- uh, she for one deserves that uh, work-life balance if she can get it. And apart from you know the small matter of a Champions League, I'm not, what what is there left for Emma to achieve at Chelsea? So, although as um. Our Emma, Emma Burke, was saying pre-pod, there is still just enough time for her to break Arsenal hearts a couple more times before she Okay, leaves. I didn't say that. You said that oh. Oh, about okay. me. That's, that's it? Okay, um, I'll take the credit for that, yeah. And then and then she'll go to the US national team and then she'll break all of our hearts. Yeah. Just mm. yeah. make US fans more obnoxious than they already. No, it's not yeah. what is anybody that possible? needs. It's, it's, no, it is. Yeah, it, so there's, 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 I don't, don't want to see it. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a peak for that. I don't need Sam. it. The limit does not exist. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they can neither do I, but yeah. dear. Yes, yeah, so, I mean. I'll just remember high-fiving Swedish fans walking <laughs> along <laughs> the harbour in Sydney. I was just going to say, we'll always have Lena Hurtig's goal. Like, <laughs> yeah. We yes. will always have Lena Hurtig's penalty. Mm. <laughs> they can't take that from us. Yeah, they they cannot. That's a, I mean, for the at least one of our listeners who's has skin in the game with regards to the nation's league yeah we've got all the results there i mean although i would suggest that people look at the tiktok we embedded posted by denise o'sullivan just um yes that ireland versus albania game that was um water polo disguised as football thankfully no one got (laughs) injured and yeah um yeah Briefly, oh yeah, we've gone way over time, but it was a great discussion. Um, Steph Catley's goal against Man City. That was um 
you know, for a side foot from inside the box, that's one of the most aesthetically pleasing goals I've seen recently. And I, I was watching it. Um, she made the overlapping run, as she so often does. Emma Burke is loving me describing this. So I'll drag it out so as good. long as I I'm, can. I'm time the run time as well as she life, usually yeah. does. She was in space and I was thinking, that's Catley. This is going in. And it did. The angle from behind the goal is so good. So I'd recommend you people to watch it dozens of times if you haven't already. Oh, and Arsenal beat Man City as well. That was also good. That- that's also the really that's also a really good point to make. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes, and no. settled by Caitlin Ford as well. So Yeah. It the Arsenal strikes again. Yeah. And um maybe at some point Jonas will remember to bring Kyra Cooney Cross on for some game time. Didn't happen <laughs> yeah. on the weekend. Also, um ooh, Aston Villa, no good. They just I don't know what happened. Also, Dale has dropped off the pod. Oh, hang on. Wheels What's... fell off. Yeah, this oh, Dale's computer just died. So, oh, computer just died. Dude. Lol. So let's see if he gets back on before the uh, end of this. But uh... I did just look at the highlights of that game, and it was just like goal after goal after oh, goal. Yeah. I yeah, I don't Villa were... really know what. what oh. And it was back. just um, it was terrible weather at the Bescott Stadium, and it just would have been uh, if you're a Villa fan watching it at that old stadium getting drenched. Yikes. Um. Yeah, oh, by the way, I was worried about Bristol City. They won a game, so they're they're not at the bottom. Aston Villa, so that's good. And oh, I would suggest if you could watch at least the end of Brighton versus Manchester United. That was absolute madness. Um, and <laughs> Brighton tried the time wasting sub of bringing Charlie Rule on in the ninety seventh minute. Manchester United scored an equaliser in the 98th minute. I thought that was quite funny. Uh, shout out to uh, Crystal Palace and Polly Doran because they won a game 3-0 against Watford on Polly Doran's birthday. Very nice. And yeah, that's... If Aussies abroad, as usual, we've got the rest of the... Uh, we've got that in the pod notes for if you've got a particular favourite. Um, also, I am uh, extremely distressed at the state of refereeing in Denmark because Matilda McNamara got sent off and I would like there to be some kind of investigation into Kvindaliga officiating because that's just not good enough. Oh, I this, this is this is how Tilly Mac misses game time because there wasn't... She's been, I think this is what's going to break her full game streak. It's a bit sad, but it's what it is. And yeah, um, San Diego waving goodbye to their chances of winning the title because they lost their semi-final to O.L. Reign. But uh, it was all over Twitter. It's setting up a Krieger versus Fishlock showdown. Is that right? Yep, Krieger that. versus Pinot. Oh, Pinot. Pinot. Oh, yeah, Fishlock. No, yeah, that's right. I got. I was going to get something <laughs> wrong. It. But yeah, it's... Well, the narrative is there at least. But yeah, sad for Emily Van Egmond, who only ever really plays full games for the wave which is to the point we said way at the beginning of the podcast the u.s league seems to suit her uh i think we'll have to go to queens kings and emperors of the week because i think dale i think he's um he's not he's not coming back (laughs) that's that's a shame yeah so yeah i think emma is uh the pod first timer you can go first with our queen with your selection for this so who have you chosen i actually have picked cass davis with that insane goal and that insane record. I mean, who who goes 10 years without missing a game? Like, are you not are you not sick just once? Like you are you not injured just once? How many hangovers did she play through? I I would love to know. She <laughs> must have. She must have. Uh unreal. And that goal was just just absurd. Uh, yeah, hundred percent her all the way. Yep. Very, very good choice. Um, 
Dale, well, we might not ever find out who his queen, king, or the emperor of the week was, but he did have a joker, and it was whoever decided that Adelaide should wear their away kit against Melbourne Victory. Yes, we like that. We like we don't like um unnecessary away kits, and of course that was a men's and women's doubleheader, so this particular crime actually happened twice. Madge, uh, you've also selected someone who scored a banger on the weekend. Yeah, and it's against my team, but it's like great to see a class player like Annalie Longo um, back in the league, and she did score a great goal against my team, but um, great celebration, mm. um, and yeah, wonderful to see her playing for the Knicks as well uh, in New Zealand, so like a New Zealand legend of a player, mm. so um, uh, yeah, it absolutely sent the, the fans um, at home off. So, um, yes, heartbreak for me, but, um, yeah, great goal and great to see her back in the league. And, yeah. yeah, hope to see her running around and doing that to other teams as well. Yeah, I'm sure it'll happen. And also, I think work you had some kind of community role with New Zealand football as well mm. in the recently. So that's, yeah, she's an all-around legend. Oh, thanks. Dale has... Um, Thankfully, message his queen of the week, and it is Lydia Williams, the only keeper with a dub clean sheet this weekend and made a brilliant save to keep out Emily Hodgson. Thanks so much, Dale. And I, as usual, have selected many queens of the week. So uh, firstly, shout out to Republic of Ireland and Turkey, the first two nations to earn promotion in the UEFA Women's Nations League. And then uh, also, I, I was, I'm I absolutely thrilled for Kaylee Talon-Henneker. And because of where she's from in New South Wales South Coast, I'm going to try and give her the nickname the Fig Tree Flyer. But she's in Sydney squad for the AFC Women's Club Championship. Uh, last year, she was playing in the New South Wales Second Division. And the first time I saw her play, I was uh, took about 10 minutes and I thought she's too good for this league. She should probably go higher. Well, she has also um, a <laughs> dual sport athlete. She's apparently very good at rugby league as well. There's a TikTok out there somewhere of her making an insane covering tackle to prevent a try. So yeah, she's one of those people that's um, uh, good at multiple things. Hopefully we keep her um, and she doesn't end up doing a Hannah Southwell and going, going to one of the rugby codes. Cause that would make me very sad, but it is a bit, always a bit sad because it's time to end the Beyond 90 podcast. So uh, rest in peace to Dale's internet and Dale's computer. But on behalf of uh, our new friend, Emma Burke, Magella Card and Dale Roots, thanks for joining us. Wishing you all the usual things, plenty of good vibes, great coffee, sick tattoos and razzlers. And please just get your own women's football kit instead of begging for one. I beg of you. See you next time.